If not, I invite you to turn with me to the 107th Psalm. Psalm number 107. God's songbook. Page 107 of His songbook. One of my favorite things about summertime happens as a result of one of my not favorite things about summertime. Maybe you've noticed it, maybe you haven't, but on our humid Indiana summer days, sometimes the air gets heavy and the air quality gets poor, and you can actually kind of see it. I don't think you actually realize it when it's that way, because it kind of happens gradually. But it just seems like there's a haze in the air. That's one of my not favorite things about summertime. But then inevitably that humidity here in central Indiana at some point gives way to rain. We've had a lot of rain here the last several weeks here in our area. And when it gives way to rain, all that haze, all that smog, all that humidity is washed out of the sky. And what was a haze is gone. And you can see clearly again the beauty of the blue sky. That's one of my favorite things about summertime. Is when all that haze is washed out of the sky and I can just see the beauty of the blue sky. But that only happens after the rain. It happens after the rain. What I've learned about this is that sometimes... Oftentimes, good things are in store after the storm has passed. And that's the subject that I would like to speak for a little while on today, is after the storm. After the storm. Psalm 107 is a song. It is a song with four verses, with four courses. It has an introduction in the first couple of lines of the song. It has a bridge near the end of the song and it has a bit of a conclusion. But it is primarily built around these four verses. And in each of these verses, you'll begin to notice a rhythm. The first verse starts around verse 4 of the Scriptures and goes down to verse 9. And you'll note verse 8 and 9, you see the chorus where it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. And you're going to see that nature of this course repeated throughout this song. I encourage you to go and read it on your own. I I debated on whether or not to read all 43 verses of this song today or not, and I've opted not to just for the sake of time. But what I do want to call your attention to is with the understanding of, of how this song was written, I want to call your attention to verse 23. Uh, we'll read verses 23 down through 32 of Psalm number 107. It says, They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. This verse is talking about those who make their living on the sea. It says, Those that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. 
For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven and they go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted away because of trouble. They reel to and fro and they stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they be quiet, so He bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people, and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. We're going to deal just with this third verse of this psalm. And he's talking about those that make their living on the sea. People that would be fishermen or captains of different boats that would go from one place to another and they would ship cargo and those different things. Not unlike exist today. But he's writing, that the songwriter's writing about these men that would go down to the sea and how they know the works of the Lord as He controls the wind and the waves. Now we know that from the New Testament, don't we? About that experience that the disciples had one time with Jesus. They were making their way across the sea there and Jesus was tired. He went back in the back of the boat and it says He laid His head down and He was sleeping. And while He was sleeping, we see there how it was, and you can read this in in, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those different accounts of the Gospel, but you can read there how Jesus was sleeping and suddenly this storm came and the boat was taking on water. As the boat was taking on water, the disciples are trying to get it out and they're trying to ride these waves through this rough storm as this tempest has come. Meanwhile, Jesus was sound asleep. And they eventually came and they woke him up and they said, Master, do you not care that we perish? Here we are trying to make it through this storm. We're taking on water. We're trying to bail out the boat. Yet you remain asleep. Jesus stands up. I can just see Him go out to the bow of the boat. And He speaks to the wind. He says, be still. What happened? The wind stopped. And the sea got calm. And he asked the disciples, he said, where was your faith? The disciples looked at each other and they spoke to each other and they said, what manner of man must this be that even the wind and the waves obey him? The psalmist years before that, wrote about how those who did made their living on the sea knew the power of God on the deep. And how He would cause a stormy wind to come up. Do you know God is in charge of the storms? Nahum, in the first chapter of his prophecy, wrote that God is in charge of the lightning. Every lightning bolt that crashes on earth is under the sovereign hand of God. He sees every lightning strike. It's His. He controls it. We see elsewhere in Scripture how it is that, I believe it was, excuse me, Zechariah was who talked about the lightning bolt, but Nahum rather, he talked about that God had His way in the tornado, in the whirlwind, and in the storms, and that the clouds are as the dust of His feet. God is in charge of the storms. 
Whatever storms are happening in your life right now, God is in charge of them. All power is His. He has full authority and charge over all the storms of life. Those that make their living on the sea knew about this. The songwriter said. And he said that they would go up to the heavens and they would go back down to the deep. What he's talking about is that they would be on these waves. And that they would be on these waves and they would go to the top of the wave, to the crest of the wave, and they would crash back down to the trough of the wave. They knew what it was to ride the seas of a storm. Now these were fishermen. These were people that were well versed about the ocean. They knew how to control a boat and how to steer it just right into the waves and how to make it through the storm. But he noted that sometimes all of the, the nautical experience that they had, all the wisdom that they had about how to make it through the storms, that sometimes it was exhausted. That's what he meant here when he say that they would be at their wit's end. We use that expression even today that someone's at their wits end and we talk about how they seem like they're just about ready to go crazy or something. They're just down to, to there's their last nerve. Somebody's getting on their last nerve. You hear these types of expressions. But the biblical expression meant this, that their wisdom had been swallowed up. These people who knew how to deal with stormy waters, yet they would find themselves from time to time in storms that were too great to them, for them, where they eventually said that their wisdom was swallowed up. All of their skill, all of their ability, all of their experience, they could not get a hold of their ship to steer it through the storm. And what did they do then? Verse 28 says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out, of their distresses. I preached a couple of weeks ago about how it is that God sees us. About how God knows everything. And when we talk about that reality that God sees us, then that must mean that God sees us in the sunshine and He sees us in the storm. He sees us when it is that we are in great distress. He sees us when we are in the valley just like He sees us when we're on the mountaintop. God sees us in the storm. He sees you when you are in the midst of a tragedy like He sees you when you're in the midst of triumph. God sees us in the storm. He knows what it is that's going on. If God controls the thunder and if He controls the lightning and the rain clouds, then He can help you through the storm. If God controls what's falling out of the sky, if God controls the wind that is moving across the face of the deep, then He can control your ship too. <laughs> Aren't you glad that's our God? Oh, I am. He says that they would cry out unto the Lord in their trouble and that He would bring them out of their distresses. He says He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let me keep going. When we find ourselves to be out of ideas, when we find ourselves to just have been exhausted, we find we just don't know what else to do. We wonder if we will ever make it through this season of life. We wonder how we can endure through hurt, how we can make it through tragedies and trials that are going on in our lives. We wonder if, God, I've just done all that I can do. What else 
can I do? And in those moments, we're made to cry out like these boatmen. They've exhausted all that they've known how to do. And they cry out to the Lord. And what happens after the storm? Verse 30 tells us, it says, Then are they glad because they be quiet. They're glad because the waves have been made calm and the wind has been made to hush. And then they are glad. But not only are they glad, but that God ushers them. That God brings them unto their desired haven. Now, I've only been on a few boats in my life, but what I do know, I've been out on a boat in the ocean a couple of times, what I do know is that that boat has some purpose that it's set out to do. It's making its place from one destination to the other. It's going out to, to catch fish or, or whatever it's trying to do. But when it comes back, when it gets to where it's going, it is looking for a place to dock where there is safety. It's looking for a port. It's looking for a safe harbor. It's looking for somewhere that when the next storm comes up, that this place will be, this place will be in safety, that it will be found to be surrounded by that which would protect it. That it would be its desired haven. There is a haven of rest that we sing about sometimes for the people of God. And oftentimes we think about that haven that awaits us as heaven to come. But my friends, I want you to know that there is a haven of rest for the people of God here. That God ushers us to safety when it seems that we are at our wit's end and all of our wisdom has been swallowed up. That God has a place for us where He takes us and He hides us. Scripture talks about in different places how He becomes our high tower, how He becomes our refuge, how He becomes a strong city, that He is that buckler for us, that He is our shield that will protect us. The reality is is that each of us know today, I I know your lives well enough to, to know that you know like I do that sometimes life is hard and it is more than we can bear. But my friends, when we come to that point where we have exhausted every remedy that we know and we cry out to the Lord, behold, He takes us to a place of refuge. He takes us to a desired haven. like when my children sometimes when they get tired and they get cranky and they don't know it but what they need is to climb up in my lap and to rest (laughs) don't we get that way (laughs) oh man we just find ourselves to just be so tired of what we're doing and in those moments we just long we need to maybe sometimes we need our parents to help us but we need to climb up in the lap of our holy father and rest (laughs) he has a haven for us. A place where we can dwell where it's calm. <laughs> he can calm your weary heart today. I want to talk to you just about a few examples and I won't be too long today. I want to talk to you today about just a few examples that we see in Scripture. Do you remember over there in the book of Jonah about how when Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. He was supposed to go to Nineveh and he didn't want to go to Nineveh as God called him there and he went the other way. and He got on a boat to 
best as I can tell, get as far away from Nineveh as he could go. And he's on this boat and a storm comes up and this boat is just about ready to sink and the people are trying to figure out what to do. They know that somebody on there must be condemned of God. That God is chastising them. And Jonah finally fesses up, says that it's him. They cast him overboard. And we know that children's story well about how he ends up being swallowed up by that great fish and that he was in the belly of that great fish for three days and three nights before that fish spewed him out on the land. And Jonah went to Nineveh. Do you know when Jonah got to Nineveh, what happened? He got to Nineveh and he preached a sermon that was only eight words long. And all of Nineveh was made to repent. God had planned judgment upon Nineveh. He was going to send judgment upon that city. But after the city repented, behold, God withheld His judgment. He did not destroy that city because all of Nineveh had repented. What happened? After the storm, God's servant Jonah became obedient. There are storms that happen in our life that are there to teach us obedience. To teach us that when there are trials in our lives, sometimes they are to instruct us that we might become stronger workmen for the Lord. Stronger servants of our God. Faithful saints to our Master. After the storm, Jonah became obedient. Over in the book of Acts, towards the end of the book of Acts, Paul is imprisoned. He's in prison and they're planning to send him over to Rome. And as they're planning to send him over to Rome, he boards a boat and they have certain directions that they're going to sail. They have their their plan laid out about how they're going to sail over to Rome. However, what happens is that their plan goes awry and they're having all sorts of trouble and and God reveals unto Paul that, that these things that are going on is because of God's plan for Paul. And finally we see that a big storm comes up there upon Paul and his traveling companions as they're being shipped over into Rome. And as that storm comes up, behold, they find themselves shipwrecked on the island of Malta. They find that there are people on the island of Malta that are kind to them. At first they were concerned that there was something about them that was, was not right. And then a, a Paul gets bit by a snake and how it was that, that that snake didn't have any power over him, that God healed that. And, and they see then that as a result of that, that Paul must have been a God, that he had a relationship with God. But the people there on the island of Malta were kind to them. And they finally meet the chief man of the island, his name was uh, Publius. And they see that they meet the chief man of the island, Publius, and he welcomes these people into their home, welcomes Paul into his home, and allows him to stay with him. Now when they come into this man's home, they learn that Publius' father is sick. You can read about all that was ailing him. But he was sick, grievously ill. We see that Paul comes into the man and he prays for him and he lays his hands upon him and that Publius' father is healed. If Paul had never been shipwrecked, Publius' dad would never have been healed. You see, after the storm, there was healing. After the storm, there was healing. Finally, Probably the most well-known rainstorm, not just in the Bible, but of all time, 
we read about in the book of Genesis. About when God caused the flood. There's never been a rainstorm like this one, not before and not since. We know how it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. We know how it was that God had instructed Noah to build the ark and Noah and his family were kept uh, safe from, from the flood there in the ark. And we know that how Noah and his family were able to emerge from the ark. Some 150 days after the, the rain stopped, the, the ark came to rest on the Mount of Ararat. And we know how some days later they were able to come off of the ark. And as they came off of the boat there, we see that Noah built an altar unto the Lord. He made burnt offerings there to God. And God saw his offerings. And it honored God and it blessed God. And God made a promise there with Noah. What was His promise? What was His promise to Noah? That He would never again destroy the earth with water. And that promise, God sealed with a sign. We still see that sign from time to time. I saw some of the signs this week. I don't know if you were in a place where you could see any rainbows or not, but I was a couple of times this week where I saw God's promise sign in the sky that He would never again destroy the world with water. You know something about rainbows? They never happen on the front side of a storm. Rainbows only happen on the back side of a storm. After the storm, a promise. God has left us a promise that He will never leave us nor forsake us, but that He is with us through the mightiest storms that you face in life. He sees you in the midst of the storm. And the reality is that some of you this moment find yourself in the middle of a storm. Some of you have just came through a storm and still others of you, you might find yourself right now with just sunshine and butterflies, but if you look to the west, you see a cloud forming. And as you look to the west and you see that cloud forming, you can be certain that the next storm of your life is coming. Let me encourage you that as you endure in the middle of the storm, that God sees you, that He knows what you're facing. He knows when it is that you get to your wit's end. He knows when your wisdom is exhausted and His wisdom will never fail. It is perfected every time. Sometimes it's going, you're going to find in your life that that storm doesn't end until it is that all that has meant to be transpired has transpired. You might be in the middle of the storm now begging God that He might somehow cause the, the waves and the wind to cease, yet you'll find yourself tomorrow and the day after that still in the midst of that storm. But let me encourage you, my friend, when the storm continues to rage, God will provide a way of escape for you. He has told us that in His Scriptures. In fact, at one point, Paul is writing about sin and about how God would always provide an escape for sin. And the word that Paul used there is a sailing word. That He would provide an egress, a safe passage through the storm. God provides safe passage through the storm. If we knew all there was to know about the storms of life, 
we would be like those vessels when a hurricane comes and they plot a different course to go around the storm. Unfortunately, we both know that we don't have the ability to know when the next storms of life are going to come up against us. And sometimes it seems that all of a sudden it goes from sunshine to fierce lightning and wind just like that. And in those moments, we are caught off guard and we're not sure what to do. My friends, stand still and know that God is with you. When your boat is taking on water, wake up the Master. He is with you. And He is waiting for you to cry out to Him. After the storm, there is peace. After the storm, the goodness of God is realized in our hearts. My friend, whatever you find yourself in right now, know that God is with you. And know that after the storm, passes that God will remain with you still. And there is a safe haven for you. This verse ends with a course. In Psalm 107, verse 31, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. A couple years back, Casting Crowns released a song called I Will Praise You in This Storm. It says, I was sure by now, God, You would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day, And once again, I say amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. I remembered when I stumbled in the wind, you heard my cry and you raised me up again. But my strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain, I am with you. And as your mercy falls, I'll raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm and I will lift my hands. For you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I've cried, you hold in your hand. You've never left my sky, and though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. The courage of the believer is realized when we continue to exalt the name of God in the midst of the storms of life. Some of you here, I count as much more wise than I am. Your experience has taught you far more about life than I have learned. And I look to you sometimes, and when I see you going through the storms, and I find myself to, to think and to wonder, how is it that they can persevere? What I've come to realize in talking with you is that you've learned to persevere through the storms just like these boatmen did. You've known a thing or two about those storms. You're real skilled about the nature of life and about the course of life. 
Yet you know sometimes you reach your wit's end and you cry to the Lord. So my friend, today as we close, I want to encourage you and to keep praising the Lord. No matter how long the storm seems like it's going to last, no matter how long that it seems like it's been raining and you think I just can't ever catch a break. It just seems like these storms of life continue and no matter what I do, I just keep messing things up. Know that God sees you. He is with you in the midst of the storm. Keep lifting up your voice to Him. Keep praising Him. Keep crying out to Him. And He'll be with you. Whether your storm teaches you obedience, whether your storm is that you might have an impact on somebody else who is going through some great illness or difficulty in their life, or whether it is that you might only know that God's promises are known clearly and assuredly on the backside of the storm, know that there is joy after the storm. After the storm. The next time, it gets hazy in your life. And the rain comes. Praise God that clear skies await the people of God after the storm. May God bless you. I know there are people that are battling storms. I want you to know that not only does God see you, but your brothers and your sisters see you too. Sometimes we're not exactly sure how we can help. And I'll just be honest, sometimes we're scared of the storm. You might say, why is nobody here to help me? But every now and then, you'll see somebody coming. <laughs> You might not see Him at first because the rain is so strong that it clouds the visibility. But then all of a sudden they get closer and closer and closer. And God has sent them to help you through the storm. I'm thankful that God doesn't leave us alone in the storms of life. That He hears us when we cry out for help. Sometimes in the midst of the storm, it's dark and it's lonely and it's very scary. But no matter how loud it gets, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how great your fear is, God is above all of that. And He has given you not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when you find yourself overwhelmed with the fear of the storm that you are facing, cry out unto the Lord. Cry out unto God.